Hey, this is Mike Brake, and I'm the pastor at Freedom Church in Los Alamos. I want to say thank you for stopping by our podcast today. We really do believe that you're only one step away from the relationship with God that you've been wanting. So I hope the message today gives you encouragement, gives you some vision so that you can take that next step towards freedom. Enjoy the message. We are continuing a series. We're going to be in week two this week of a series called Love Los Alamos. And um, in this series, we're, we're wanting to be a part of a bigger story, something in 2019 that's just bigger than, than you and I, something that um, gets us outside of ourselves, looking to the people around us, because just as we sang, God is recklessly in, in love with you. He's, he is in love with Los Alamos. It's why he came. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son because he wants a relationship with you and I. And so um, in this series and talking about people are excited. They're like, hey, love Los Alamos. I like that. Are we going to do some type of an event? Like, is there like something that we're going to do? Um, Maybe, but really the event happens tomorrow when you go to work. Like this is a, a, a series that's more targeted towards not so much an event-based thing, like let's go do something, have a lot of people show up, kind of pat ourselves on the back, good job, and then we go on our way. No, I'm really after the heart, like my heart being after God's heart. And when, when, our, when we are open to what God is doing in our lives and around us, you're not going to have an event. You're going to have a movement in that. And that's what I'm about. That's the bigger picture of Love Los Alamos is God's doing something in our lives. I want to see it. God's doing something in Los Alamos. I want to be a part of it. I want to follow where that is and get on board with that. And so with, with that idea, we have this verse that Jesus, whose heart is, um, who, well, when he is God, big G, he gives us a glimpse of God's heart throughout his life, but as he gets ready to leave his disciples, to leave earth, to to ascend into heaven, where he is today, he gives them some parting words. And Acts chapter 1 captures those. And Acts chapter 1 verse 8 is the one that we're kind of, is like the theme driving verse for this this, uh, series, but as well as just for this church. Because it captures this. It says, but you will receive, Jesus is talking, he says, but you will receive, say this next word with me, power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. He's like, I'm leaving, but my spirit is going to, to be inside of you. And he says, you will be my witnesses tell in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. He says, hey, you want to see God work in your life? You want to see the power of God show up in your life? It's going to involve you being my witness. Think about it like we talked about last week on a witness on a a trial. Like they're going to tell things that they see, tell about things that they've heard, and they're going to share those things. And that's what we are to do as Christians. Our mission is to tell what we've seen and heard. And we talked about last week where one of those places was Samaria. Jews and and Samaritans did not get along. And we looked at where Jesus set the example in John chapter four, and he met a Samaritan woman at the well and he loved on her and it changed an entire region. And so today what I want to pick up on is the who, because Jesus was telling this to a group of people, the original disciples. And you can imagine this group, They had spent their life with Jesus. They just saw some amazing things. But now 
He's leaving. There's a group of about 120 of them, uh, the, uh, Acts chapter 1 says, about 120. Not that many. They have no worldly uh, resources. They have no worldly authority, no worldly um, territory. And here's Jesus, the, the Lord, the master saying, hey, you have a, a worldly mission. You have a, a mission to go change the world. Imagine a lonely spot that would be because now they're, they, ha, they can see Jesus. They can touch him. They can hear him. And they're going to have to trade the scene to now walk by faith for the unseen with the Holy Spirit coming and guiding their lives. So they, they, they follow his command. Acts chapter 2, Holy Spirit comes in and, and they, they get an opportunity. You can read it in Acts chapter 2. I encourage you to get your Bible and, and read it this week. Um, there's people all around. The opportunity for them to tell and be a witness is there. So Peter, Jesus' best friend, stands up. He addresses the crowd. He preaches the sermon. And Scripture says that 3,000 people that day said, you know what? I need to follow Jesus. I've been following other things, and Jesus is the Lord of my life. And they give their life to Christ that day. That's where I want to pick up today. It's in Acts chapter 2. And this, this thing called the church is birth. This thing called the church takes off. 3,000 got saved, and it says they were baptized. And, and 3,000 people were added to them that day. For some of you, you're like, what's baptism? It's a good question. It's, it's typically your next step in your relationship with Christ after you get saved. I know there's a lot of different beliefs for us. We just believe it's a symbol. Like I'm wearing a wedding ring. All right. This wasn't the transaction that said, once this was on, I'm, I'm married. No, I, we had a, a wedding ceremony and, and now uh, we got married. This here is just a symbol to the world that says, I'm, I'm taken. I'm, I'm married. And we believe baptism doesn't save you. When you look, when, when you look at scripture, we just see it's a symbol. It says that I'm identifying as, as a Christ follower. I'm already saved but I'm going to live for him now. So when you get baptized, you're just announcing to the world that I, that's who I'm going to follow for the rest of my life. Some of you might be in here today. You say, I'm saved, but I've never been baptized. If you want to talk about that, you can come, talk, come and talk to me. We would love, love to celebrate that next step with you. It says 3,000 got saved and they were baptized. All the believers, say this next word with me, all the believers devoted themselves to the apostles teaching they were in on this thing and to the fellowship and to sharing in meals thank you Jesus that they love meals back then I mean it was like the invention of the potluck started right there um, including the Lord's Supper and also to prayer a deep sense of awe came over them all and the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders and all the believers they met together in one place they shared everything they had Wow, look at this. They sold their property and possessions and they shared the money with those in need. They worshiped together at the temple each day, met in homes for the Lord's Supper, and they shared meals with great joy and generosity, all the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. If you read this, 
you look at it and you're like, it's the birth of the perfect church. The church starts and it's like, woohoo, this is great. It's like rainbows and unicorns and gumdrops and everybody is really happy here and they're growing and they're sharing and it's all wonderful. And then we think about, well, when I went to church, where was, where was that? Because that's, that's not my experience with, with church. I don't know what your experience with church is, but for a lot of us, we grew up and we're like, man, um, there was a bunch of rules that were, that were there. Um, the teaching, if it wasn't boring, um, was irrelevant. Like it just, it, it, it didn't make any sense. And, and I didn't understand it. And it just, it didn't really apply to my life. Then there was the fighting. Like, I don't know if you ever see a, or have ever seen like a deacon cuss at another deacon. Um, it's, it's pretty awesome if you ever see it. But like there's, they're fighting about music. They're fighting about carpet. They're fighting about Bible translations. Like what? Like this is not my experience. So what's, what's the difference here? What's going, going on here with these, um, this first church and they're growing and, and what I'm, have grown up with and, and seen, or maybe you've heard about it. I don't know. Well, listen, one, they were aligned with the heart of God. They, they loved God and they centered their life on his purposes. Notice what they devoted themselves to the apostles teaching. What were they teaching? They were teaching the doctrines of God. They were saying, this is man, Jesus, who we saw, like we're, we're writing about it right now. Like the, we got to study what he said because he's God and we're going to try to figure it out. They devoted themselves to that. They devoted themselves to prayer, prayer first. They're like, we're in on that. They devoted themselves to the fellowship, like one another. They participated. That's where we're going to hang out today. But they devoted, and, and, and food. I'm not going to forget the food. My goodness, I love that part, that they dedicated themselves, devoted themselves to the meals. They were about the heart of God. A lot of us, we're more about the hand of God. God, what can you give me? Give me, give me, give me. A lot of us, when, when we are in trouble, that's why we get so aggressive. When we are in facing times of trouble, we want something from God's hand. And it's not necessarily wrong to want anything or, or ask for anything from God's hand. Read the Psalms. They're, God, I need your help. Help, help. I need you, God. But I think more than wanting what's out of God's hand all the time, they were more concerned about, God, what's your heart? David, King David, the, the giant slayer. King David was described as being what? A man after God's own heart. Saul, the king that he replaced, was a man after God's hand. These people were after God's heart. Secondly, they were devoted to one another. They, they, they got this idea of the fellowship. In the Greek, it's called koinonia, which means they participated. It wasn't a consuming activity. This was their life. It wasn't an, an event-based thing. Oh, when, when is the church going to put on this event so we can go? No, it became their lifestyle. So they met together. I mean, they shared things. They sold things. They were in like large group together at the temple. But then there was 3,000 of them. And it said that they met in homes and shared meals together with great joy. And joy. They really got this concept of together. Our mission as a church, helping people take the next steps in their relationship with Jesus, dot, 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 together. That together is a big piece of you and I taking our steps with Jesus. That's what I want to really focus on 
today is building real, genuine relationships. And guess what? They're problem-filled too. Because if you keep reading in Acts, like just keep reading a few chapters, there's lying going on, there's deception going on, there's favoritism going on. They are fighting one another. Paul, who wrote a lot of the New Testament, he and a friend named Barnabas, they got in such a big fight, it says, that they, they just stopped doing ministry together. Now, and you continue to hear about Paul, but you don't hear Barnabas's name again. There was a, all the problems are all right there. Read, read the book about Corinth, the church in Corinth. They were jacked up theologically. They had really bad theology going on. They were getting drunk at the Lord's Supper. They're like, hey, let's have communion. Let's, let's, let's share in the Lord's Supper. And they're like, they're getting drunk. There was one dude there that was sleeping with his stepmom. Like it was crazy jacked up that was going on in some of these churches. Yet, yet, they changed the world. The mission didn't change. And they still change the world. So if God can use the jacked up church to change the world, I think he can still use you and I. But we got to key in on these things. Being after God's heart, which we talked about last week. And two, relationships. Now, here's the problem. We're terrible at relationships. Like humanity as a whole. This isn't just a church thing. Like we're terrible. One, we're different. Okay, we're just we're just different. Anyone here like to go camping? Okay, all right, I don't, I don't get you guys. Like, I don't understand. Like, you work hard, and you work hard, you get the money, and then you're like, let's go on vacation, and you're like, okay, let's go camping. So let's spend a week, after we've worked so hard and earned all this money, let's go spend a week living like we're homeless. Like, I don't, under, like, to me, my idea of roughing it is going from a five-star resort to a four-star resort, okay? In my home, when we say we've gone camping, that actually means we just slept in our house with the windows open, okay? That's just, I don't get that. We're different. I was in the, the gym the other day, and I overheard a conversation. It was two ladies, and one lady walked up to the other. She's like, oh my gosh, I like your tights. Those are just so cute. And I'm like, I would never say that to another, like that, I just, that's just not in me to be like, oh my gosh, I like your tights, man. That's so cool. Like I just, we're different. Okay. We also, we communicate, our communication, we have communication problems. Like we, we, um, I, Guys, have you ever been with your woman and you're going into an, maybe to an event or something like that or a place and you walk in and all of a sudden you see the other woman that you know your, your girl and that girl, they do not get along whatsoever and they're about ready to cross paths and you're like, I have got to find the exits. Like you're like, if I can like military crawl under this table and maybe shimmy up that pole, I can maybe get out the window because the collateral damage, I don't want any part of what's about to go down. And then, and then it's inevitable. Like you're closing your eyes. You're like, I don't know. And they're going to meet. And then they meet and they're like, oh, hey, girl. Hey, I just love your hair. It's so amazing and good. And you're looking at them like, what is that that is happening? She comes back and you're like, I thought you hated her. What was that? And she's like, oh, I know. Didn't you see what she was wearing? I can't believe she would just go out there in public. And, me, 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 me. and you're like, what? Okay, good. You're laughing because it's like, Communication problems. Guys, we're, we're, we're no better. Like to be able to, to, to express a feeling, like we're, we're processing, right? But meanwhile, in our processing, it's like dead silence, which means everyone in your house 
is trying to interpret what you're thinking. And, and it is like your carpet is lined with eggshell carpet all around your house because we don't know if you're going to explode one minute or we just don't know what you're going to get. Communication problems. We struggle with communication. We struggle with stimulus response. She comes into the living room. It's cold in here. What do you mean it's cold in here? It's set to 70 degrees. Well, why are you talking to me like that? Why are you acting like that? Why are you acting like that? You're crazy, you know, and we just go back and forth. The crazy of stimulus response. Road rage, anybody? I mean, how in the world can a, can a woman or a lady who's like 70 years old who, who forgets to turn on her, her blinker spark so much rage inside of me like to, to spark so much like thoughts and, and spew out words that I can't repeat. Like what is that in me that responds to that type of stimulus? So many of us, we have relational issues because that's a horrible way to live our lives is stimulus response, stimulus response. Some of us, we are still responding with bitterness from something that someone did to us three years ago. Or three months ago, or three days ago. Stimulus response, stimulus response. That's how a lot of us, we struggle in our relationships. And we also follow failed formulas. If I just find the right person, right? If I could just find the right person, then everything would be all right. If I could just find the right person, fall in love with the right person, put all my hopes and dreams into the right person, then everything's just going to work out. And, and the married people are like, ah, that's not working out too well. well. Well, maybe I'm not looking for, that's a failed formula. Maybe I'm not looking for the right person. Maybe I'm just looking for love. Or maybe you could replace that with, I'm just looking for pleasure. I'm just looking for, for happiness in my life. And that gets us to last week where we had the ladder. And we said, your ladder, what's important is its position because I can climb up this ladder and I can get to the top and I can chase after love, I can chase after success, I can chase after these things, but if it's not in the right position, what? It leads to nowhere. And so I'll say, well, I just want love. And we've defined love as a feeling and when the feeling is gone, we'll go find another ladder and we'll go from ladder to ladder to ladder. That's a failed formula. And then we take our differences, we take our stimulus response, we take our communication problems, we take our, our failed formulas, and we bring all of that into the church. <laughs> and then we got a big giant mess. And the problem is when we live like this, when we live with the stimulus response, eventually, eventually, you will blame other people for your issues that you never resolved yourself. And so we'll bring that into the church. We'll see that it's jacked up and we'll say, well, that church really screwed me up. That church really burned me. That church really... And then we'll take it to another level and say, well, God, if that is your church, that's your bride, that's what you're investing in. If that's a representation of you, then I want no part of that, God. And then we'll blame God. 
for these things. We have, we have struggles with relationships. Can I tell you, despite the mess, Jesus has a different formula for us. Jesus has something a little bit better that maybe we struggle with at times to adapt into our lone lives. I want to dig into that because this church, I think they got it and they changed the world. Jesus, if you can flip over to John, the book of John, if I can find it in my notes, John chapter 13. He gives us a formula that we can follow. He says, so now I'm giving you a new commandment. Let me pause and give you some context. He's talking to these same disciples. He's giving some parting shots right before he heads to the cross. And he says to these same disciples, he says, I'm giving you a new commandment. Like I'm going to sum up all of the Old Testament, all the rules. I'm going to, I'm going to sum it up into one. A lot of people ask the question, hey, what's, what's all the rules at Freedom Church? Do you have rules? You know, I'm used to church and rules. Just one, this one. He says, love each other. Just as I have loved you, you should love one another. That's Jesus' rule. He's like, just as I have loved you. He's the model. He's the example. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. That's the formula. It, love is not a feeling. He says it's a command. You can't command a feeling. I don't know if you've ever told you, quit your crying. And the, kid, and the kid's like, I can't. it's a feeling, right? Or, I mean, communication problems. Have you ever had the parent that told you, like, do it again, do it again. And, you, and the kid's like, I don't know, should I do it again? Because I think if I do it again, like, I might get in trouble, but you said do it again. Like, communication problems, right? I don't know, like, Jesus says, love one another as I have loved you. He sacrificed for them. He taught them. He was generous with them. He spent time with them. He, he, he was present with them. He did so much. Love is, is, a, is, he chose to come. It is not a feeling. Love is a, is a command, it's a choice, it's an action, it's a verb. And it was showing up for them day after day. He said, that's the command, love one another. And so today, I think we get the idea of love. What I want to focus on is the one another, the each other part. We are to share life together. That is a big part of a church being, being successful. That's a big part of a church reaching its mission is doing life together. He said, love each other. You might say, well, all I need is Jesus. I'm good. It's just me and Jesus. I don't need the church. I don't need all this mess. I don't need all this drama. I'm good. And you can think that, but I would say that's a very incorrect theology. That all you need is Jesus. Like, what? Oh. Go to Genesis chapter 2. God creates everything in chapter 1. He creates, he creates, he creates, and it's, it's good. He, it's, he creates the animals, it's good. He creates the sun, the moon, the stars, everything. He's like, it's good, it's good, it's good. Genesis chapter 2, and the first time we get something, it's just Adam and God. It's just Adam and God. It's just Adam and God. And God says, it is not good. For man to be alone. It's not good to be just you and God. He has created humanity for us to be in relationships. We're meant to share life together. 
And I would say this, I would say that our enemy, the devil, knows it. He's known from the beginning. Like he can read Genesis chapter two himself. It says, hey, God said it's not good for, God, for, for man to be alone. So what's he want us to do? He wants us to divide. He wants us to be isolated. So he's going to attack you and your relationships. And listen, there's always going to be an excuse. You will always have an excuse to, to avoid relationships. I'm an introvert. I kind of don't do the relationship thing. You know, I can work in my office for nine hours a day, not talk to a single person. And you know what? I'm fired up and that's good. That's just who I am. That's my personality. We'll find an excuse. You know, I got, I, I, um, I got burned by the church before I went. I tried this thing before relationships and it was bad. And you may have got burned by the church. I think we all have our I got burned by the church story. Get some healing and then get back in the game. And I would say the number one enemy that, 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 that our enemy will, will put in your life, busyness. <laughs> busyness is the enemy of relationships. And our culture is so wound up and let's go and let's do. We got the soccer schedule. We got this to go to. We got that to go to. We got this to go to. I got work I got to do. Work, 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 work. And I'm busy. Hey, how you doing? Good, but I'm busy. How are you doing? Oh, I'm busy. I'm busy, you know, but I'd rather be busy than lazy, you know, it's, you know, so it's just kind of how it goes. I got a badge. What if we, what if we started to see busyness in our lives rather than a badge, more like a sickness? Because it's an epidemic that's killing relationships in our culture. Busyness is the enemy of relationships. You don't find time for relationships. You got to make the time to do it. You're going to have to, to schedule some things out to make this happen. Share life together, but not just share life together. I think more importantly, work through life together because it's a mess. It is a mess. And these guys, they face problem after problem after problem, but they're willing to face it head on rather than run from it. And they work through life together. Galatians chapter 6, verse 2 says, Share each other's burdens. And in this way, obey the law of Christ. There it is. Where's that? The law of Christ. Share your burdens and obey the law of Christ. What's the law of Christ? What's Jesus's law? We just read it. There's only one. Love each other. You want to love each other, share your burdens, work through. It said those people in Acts chapter 2, they gave to anyone that had what? Need which means they had to share their needs. Things weren't going well. There were problems. There were issues. Hey, I need help. And then the church would say, we can meet that need. It was a beautiful thing when you were able to share your burdens with one another. And then Jesus said, or it says in Galatians, that that is the way you fulfill the law. Listen, Jesus isn't afraid of your mess. He's not afraid of your junk. That's why he came. Sinners, the outcasts, the people who didn't make it in the inside, they love Jesus. They would spend time with Jesus. They like the man. Here's what happens when you work through life together. You're going to get insight to your decisions. Listen, a lot of times when problems hit, we're, we're acting on emotions. We're not thinking necessarily rationally. And, and so we're not making the best decisions. We need a team of people that can kind of be on the outside that can give you some insight into your decisions. Secondly, you're going to get some perspective. 
if we're honest, we, we lie to ourselves a lot. We don't have necessarily the best perception, and we need some, some truth to our perception. You ever see uh, 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 American Idol, old school American Idol? And those, those people come in, and they're all excited to face the judges in those early rounds. And some of them, man, they think they're hot. And then they, they come up, and, the, and then they sing, and then it's like pants on the ground pants on the ground, looking like a fool with your pants on the ground. I mean, anybody 2010? Okay, all right, all right. Um, they didn't have any friends. Nobody told them until the judges said, you ain't, you ain't, you ain't making it. Like, and you see, like, it wasn't like, oh yeah, that was a joke and we're good. No, like they are like bawling when they come out of that room because somebody told them the truth. And you and I, we need that in our lives. It is so vital to have the truth being told in our lives. I had a, um, a boss of mine one time, terrible breath. It, it, was, it was like, make your eyes water, like spray me with mace because that would be nicer uh, type, type breath. And so I know this is superficial, but I'm just like, I want to, I need someone to, to tell me like, hey, dragon breath, put something into your mouth, please. I would come home from work when I worked at the lab and I'm an introvert. I would work for, for a long time without seeing anybody. And I come home and, and Rita would be like, what's on your face? What's on your face? I'm like, what are you talking about? And I, uh, peanut butter. How long has that been there? I'm like, I don't know, maybe lunch, 10 o'clock, I'm not sure. She's like, don't you have any friends? <laughs> I guess not. Like, we need some perspective in our lives. Surface-level friends, surface-level friends will tell you what you want to hear. And I need someone who loves me more than they love the relationship Proverbs 27, 6 says, wounds from a friend are better than kisses from an enemy. Now, the high school version of me would say, I would disagree. I would take a kiss from my enemy. All I've been making out with is my pillow. <laughs> so that's a different story. <laughs> but no, the truth is, the truth is a true friend will tell you and because so many of us are geared towards stimulus response, that's our natural go-to. We will walk when a true friend will share with us. We'll push that sort of friendship away. This is not easy. This is not fun. But it is so necessary for these relationships. And the third thing is healing. Getting hope in your hurts. My wife and I, we have a great marriage. But guess what? It's not all rainbows and unicorns and gumdrops. We fight. And I would say the greatness of our marriage is not found in the perfection of our marriage and everything that's going great. I think what's the greatness and the strength of our marriage is in our problems. Any good thing you got going on in your life is going to face problems. And it's our willingness to say, you know what, we're facing this. And rather than push and run away and go find another ladder, we're going to lean into God's heart and we're going to lean into this and we're going to persevere and work through this fellowship, koinonia. We're going to participate together in this. 
So for us, Freedom Church, like where are we going with this? What does it, what does it matter? Listen, we're all basically new here. These types of relationships, these deep relationships are so vital to the church, but they take time. They don't just happen like that. You have to be in relationship together and you need some conflict. You need some some tension to actually work through these things so you can show that love for one another. So if you want to know like, okay, well, what are we doing and where are we going? We're going to do connect groups. We're calling our, you can call them small groups, you can call them Bible studies or whatever you want to call them. We call them connect groups because we want a place for you to connect. And it, what, what we're going to do, we're meeting with our, our leaders tonight to really kind of flesh this out, but our connect groups are going to be set to meet once every two weeks for the majority of them. They're going to meet once every two weeks. You'll meet in the home, share a meal together, get to know one another, have some sort of spiritual conversation or dialogue where you can meet and just get to know one another. On the off weeks when you're not meeting, You'll get a chance. You, no one has to. No one's required. But you'll get a chance to meet with people more on an individual, one-on-one basis to get to know one another. It's, the, it's one of the best things that we can do when we gather together where you can go and meet in the homes and share some meals together. I want to encourage you. I want to encourage you to maybe look at going here or signing up or texting in today to give us an idea of, of what kind of groups we can formulate and start. You might be saying, you know what, I did it before. I did a group before and it didn't work. Try it again. I went to Chick-fil-A last week. I went to Chick-fil-A last week. They didn't give me Chick-fil-A sauce. I was angry. I was so upset. Guess what? I was in Albuquerque yesterday. I went to Chick-fil-A again. Okay. We may have gotten it wrong before. Try it again. Try it again. What difference does it make? What difference does it make if I go all in and I start pursuing some of these relationships. What difference does it make? A world. A world of difference. Because Jesus says, you love one another as I have loved you. Your love for one another will prove to the world you are my disciples. We're here to love Los Alamos. Some of you may wonder, and I've been asked this question a lot, What's different about Freedom Church? What's different about Freedom Church? The difference will be in our relationships. The strength of this church will be found in the strength of our relationships. If all we do is fight and quarrel and we act like every other church that we've been a part of, it will be no different. But a group that gets it says, I'm going to be after God's heart. A group that gets in and says, you know what? These people here, these are my people. I'm called to this place in this time. And, and God has anointed us for this city because he loves this city to go and reach this city. And yes, we're different. Yes, we have communication problems. Yes, I don't agree with that person's politics. And I don't like this. And I don't like this. But you know what? Even though we're different, I have Jesus who reconciled all differences. And because we're all focused in on Jesus... That is what we celebrate. That's what we focus on. And we go on that. That will be different. So I'm not here to fight you. You may come in here and I don't like this and I don't like this. That's fine. We all have our opinions. I want to fight, but not one another. I want to fight together. All nations, all ages, all groups, we fight together to love Los Alamos, to devote ourselves to God's word, to devote ourselves to prayer, to devote ourselves to food, to devote ourselves to, to, to um, um, each other in that fellowship. And that will be different. You want to love Los Alamos? Get deeper friendships. 
Deeper friendships will mean a better life for you, which means we have a greater impact on those around us, which means people's lives are changed, which means people meet Jesus. And that's what we're about. God loves Los Alamos. He wants to love Los Alamos through you. Let's pray. Hey, this is Mike Brake, and I'm the pastor at Freedom Church in Los Alamos. I want to say thank you for stopping by our podcast today. We really do believe that you're only one step away from the relationship with God that you've been wanting. So I hope the message today gives you encouragement, gives you some vision so that you can take that next step towards freedom. Enjoy the message.